Hello, welcome to Terrace Talk, uh, new surroundings. We're, we're delighted to be in, in, in the Woolpack uh, pub this evening. And we've got three guests. I think this is the most guests we've had on, on an episode of Terrace Talk. And we're all, well, three of us are probably a little bit tired after last night, but we, we're just about coping. And uh, luckily, it's, it's a, a happy mood, a happy atmosphere here, as, uh, as, as you may be able to sense after last night and, and what Norwich City achieved. Delighted to have uh, Billy and Alfie uh, with us again from the Revere and also Nathan Tuck uh, from Vital. Norwich as well to uh, dissect that performance last night and we're all massive fans of the FA Cup suddenly uh, 28 years Norwich uh, have, have gone without being in the quarter final of this competition they're now in it fantastic news uh, Nathan I suppose let's let's start with you first and foremost were you there last night yeah yeah I went last night um, very uh, long day I've had today got back at 1.30 this morning got into bed about 1.30 and then had to be up at 7 to work at 8 and then come from work to here and so here I am yeah I, I, what time did you get in actually that's... oh got in at quarter past 1 and then I'm straight into bed that's, that's, that's not bad actually that's <laughs> no, not bad going I, yeah I did fly back a little <laughs> <laughs> not bad at all uh, you guys Alfie you went to the game didn't you uh, what, what did you make of it it was a special night wasn't it yeah uh, I think when you imagine what could have happened, it was probably like on paper the perfect scenario. Uh, but you didn't really think it was going to happen. I think I remember reading the Spurs uh, like team, thinking before the game I thought it was going to be a lot weaker. And even though it was a weakened side, you know, there's a lot of quality in that team. Um, but to match a team like that for 120 minutes, uh, Joseph Durance gets his uh, routine tap in. It was uh, it was a special night, really special night. Before we go any further, those on video are probably wondering why I'm holding a phone to my face. This is uh, no expenses spared. This is what we use for our microphone. Hopefully the audio is, is not too bad. Billy, you, you're, you're probably uh, probably the, the least tired of us, of, of us all, I would imagine. Uh, did, yeah. did you watch it? How, how was it for you watching at home? Because it was quite an experience inside the stadium. But was it just as nerve-wracking at home? It's quite frustrating because even though I was watching on like the iPlayer, it was like five minutes behind, so like I couldn't look at my phone. It was like typical. Blame my internet connection for that. But um, it was. It's all. I, I like watching Norwich, especially on BBC. I don't know why. I just. It, it some. It maybe wasn't as nerve wracking because um, maybe I couldn't feel the tension. But when you're seeing Ben Godfrey struggling to move, then you do start to feel a little bit nervous in the 120th minute, or whatever. But um, I, I was pretty confident, but. Um, yeah, the nerves were certainly there for sure. And we, we were talking before you, we, we came on. The last game, guys, the last time you guys appeared, rather, was was it after the Manchester United game? Yeah. So, so Tim Krull saved two penalties in yeah. that game. You're back on, and he's he's the penalty hero again. So I think we're gonna have to get you on more often. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Like, we just have this thing where like penalties just surround us, but <laughs> probably not good for like the heart rate or anything. But no, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Nathan, how, how do you reflect on, on the performance? It was, it, it was gutsy, I think is the word I'd use. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it took us, I think, 35 minutes maybe to get our first shot on target. Um, after that, there were a few that came in quick succession. Um, and you only have to look at Ben Godfrey's block, um, you know, with the score at 1-1, when he just came out of nowhere to come flying across and, and keep the ball out to sort of know how, how much it meant and how much effort everybody put in. Yeah, I, I actually missed that Godfrey block. Someone from from my from the press box, someone actually had a flag up in, in, that obscured the goal. So I didn't realise how good that was until I watched the uh, watched the highlights back this morning. Jan Vertonghen's header. I mean, we can analyse it. We can say poor defending again, but 
you have to credit the response because it was a slow start for Norwich. It, it did look a bit sluggish, and I would imagine there was a few in the away end where, where you were sat Alfie thinking, here we go again. I think uh, me and Bill were talking about it um, briefly, like, pretty much at the, like, straight after the game, and saying, especially after the goal, we were surprised how much of the ball Tottenham let us have. Yeah. So it was like, we've, we've just conceded the goal, you're kind of expecting them to kind of pile on. Um, but it was almost like from, like the, I think it's 35th minute, through to like the 80th, we just dominated the whole game. Um, and you kind of sat there at one point thinking, cough, we don't score now. Uh, and luckily we scored uh, like 77, something like that. Um, but yeah, I was really surprised with how we were almost allowed to kind of do what we want and just contain possession. And really, that was probably why we ended up getting something out of that. Yeah, that's a statistic, isn't there, this season? Norwich haven't got a single point from a losing position in the Premier League. So I would, there was a few in the press box, actually, that were looking at each other and say, right, this game's sort of done and dusted. But it's a credit to Norwich that they did respond in the way that they did, that they did continue to play football. And we can talk about Spurs and the way they, they contained, uh, contained and or perhaps opted to be a bit more defensive. But Norwich actually did try and force the issue. They did try and get the ball. They were yeah. brave, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, if we like this game and the Leicester game, I actually don't think they're too dissimilar to like the performances we've seen in recent weeks or like prior to that. But I think we just got starting to get a little bit of luck, and like rightly so. Like we've we haven't had that at all this season. Like with VAR, with injuries, whatever. Um, maybe the tide is you know slightly turning a little bit, and we're just we're just getting that little bit of luck. You know, you, the goalkeeper spills it. Um, Michel Vorm and, and, and Josip's pouncing like there's no tomorrow um, and uh, yeah it just seems to that seems to have switched a little bit in recent weeks um, but no we, we, we dominated the ball I think the players were a little bit like um, shocked actually at how much possession they did have especially in that if you count the back three when Tribal dropped in between the centre-backs like I don't think they could believe their luck at times really just dom- like playing playing at will and um, we struggled to get it through the midfield but certainly that in defence we you know, had a lot of possession Yeah I, I was sat there in, in the second half and a bit frustrated really because I mean we've seen it a lot this season with Norwich sort of the, the first third and the second third very good at, at moving the ball up the pitch and getting themselves into opportunities where you think right now it's about the final pass or the final delivery or the final decision and it was just kind of halting but then Suddenly we did see a few shots from range. Lucas Rupp had one in the first half. We were actually talking in, in the car on the way back. I don't know what it is with the FA Cup balls, but um, it was Adrian, wasn't it, for Liverpool? They had a bit of a howl with, with the ball. Vaughan had a couple last night, which, which Dermot capitalised on. But what can Norwich City do in, in the final third to, to be more ruthless in, in these games that they can take in the Premier League? Momentum is obviously the key word. I think Grant Hanley and Todd Campbell used that uh, post-match when I spoke to them after the game. What can they what can they do to, to build that momentum up and, and, and to be a bit more ruthless in the final third for you? Well I think the momentum is building and, and we we're suddenly in a position where we we're winning, you know, one back to back games. Um, admittedly this one hasn't got us any points, uh, you know, it's cup competition, but um, it's all good for confidence. Um, in terms of taking chances, uh, what, how can you teach that? You know, and I think the difference has very much been that other teams we play against have been poorer than us. For exa- Crystal Palace being a good example of that, they get one shot and they score um, at Carrow Road and, and they take their chances, you know, at, when they come along and we just haven't done that, which when you consider we've got Timo Pukki is slightly surprising. He's kind of tailed off since, since he hurt his foot at Leicester, for sure. Um, and Dermich, we've just not seen a lot of him. He's been injured, I know, for sort of three months or so, but it comes with a, a bit of pedigree behind him. Um, and he, he's got a couple of tap-ins, so you know maybe maybe that can help. And um, 
and I'm sure Pukki will be returned to the to the start in eleven for, for Sheffield United. Yeah, Dermot's is an interesting one because I thought his cameo against Leicester was very impressive in yeah, terms of yeah. came on, did, held the ball up, knocked things on, did everything he needed to do. Last night perhaps was was a bit more frustrating, didn't have as much of the ball. Perhaps did have to feed off scraps a little bit, but did get that goal that I, I think he probably deserved in the end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a, a mate texted me sort of during the game in the first half and just said, mm, Dermot looks really ordinary. Um, and uh, I didn't text him or have any other text with him until we'd scored and he was watching on the iPlayer and I just texted him hmm, ordinary eh <laughs> well, I mean it's a tapping but you know he was he was there to make it happen so that's the main thing yeah. I think it's almost a little bit hard to judge him like this is a player come in very low on confidence a few injury problems I don't really want to judge him too much until he's had like two or three games if he'll get that I don't know like but I think it, there's certainly signs of a good good player those link up plays really well sometimes you can just see that rustiness that lack of confidence but um, all three goals if he scored have come from kind of persistence if you like so yeah. I think that, that desire is certainly there and, and the goals will come yeah, I've seen a few people say that his goals, particularly in, in this competition, have been quite ugly. But actually, if you, if you think about the Burnley one and the one last night, he had to he had to sort of anticipate it, didn't he? He had to follow in because, okay, it's the striker's job to, to perhaps ask the questions: why not? What if this happens? What if what if this? And respond to perhaps shots and things that happen in the game. But not every striker does it. And it, it, okay, it wasn't the best of finishes. He got a bit of luck with it, but to actually follow it in. It's quite a, a, a rare trait in a striker, I suppose. Could he be quite big, Alfie, for, for Norwich in the, in the second half of the season, given that Puki is perhaps a, a little bit out of form at the moment? He's played a lot of football this season, to be fair to him. Is, is, is Dermich an option, if only from the bench, to, to impact games for you? I think it's, it's, it's one of those things, again, it's tough to tell without really giving him like the, the minutes he needs in the Premier League. Um, I think he offers a different uh, option up front. Yeah, even in a way that I, I think I remember one specific moment in the second half where he nodded the ball down lovely to Rupp um, on the edge of the box went straight to the keeper but the, the point is sometimes even with Puka like his build-up play is fantastic but they are kind of two different types of players so I think it, it offers us a different dimension potentially maybe if you want to play that longer ball into like a, a target man but I really think without seeing him in there for like a full 90 minutes you know, you never really know if he's going to make that impact. It's good to see that he's making impact like in the cup competitions, but in the Premier League, it's a whole different ball game. Agreed. Uh, before we go on to penalties, I, I, I want to speak a little bit about the midfield because there's been a, a, a lot of people calling for, for Mario Vrancic to play. Last, last night he did play. What did you make of his performance? Because I actually felt when Kenny McLean and, and Alex Tetty came on, Norwich did look more solid. Do you, do you just put that down to match fitness or, or do you think it's a, a quality thing? It, it, Mario has a lot of quality about him, we know that, um, but he just looked rusty last night. He looked like a man who hasn't played a lot of football, and then when Kenny and, and Alex Tetti together, you, you kind of, here's a couple of guys that have played together regularly, know each other, they're match fit, they're, they're sharp. Um, and Mario just looked a little off the pace, I would say, when he was on the pitch. Do you think Kenny McLean's underrated? Definitely, definitely. Um, on my forum, there's a few people that just don't rate him at all. Um, and think he's rubbish but I I look at what he does and, and, and I uh, he flies into tackles he win headers uh, he's got a lovely left foot he can pass the ball range distance you know he, he can make a long ball pass um, I, yeah I do think he's definitely underrated definitely 
Yeah, it was, a, it was a, a lovely pass from him last night, I'm thinking, from memory now. Uh, cross field to, to Max Ahrens, who I think was flagged offside, actually. Dermich missed the chance. Uh, I think from the replay, it would have been very tight. Certainly would have been a, a, a line drawer on VAR, but it was a lovely pass. It shows his ability. What, what are your thoughts on that midfield too? Do you think last night showed that, that actually Daniel Farker's patience in McLean and Tetty is, is justified? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of mixed feelings about this, personally. Um, because, it, again, it's hard to judge because, you know, Vrancic and Tribal done so well last season. They haven't really had the minutes this season. I think individually, Kenny McLean and Alex Tetty, you can't fault them. I do question if a side can ever survive in the Premier League with Kenny McLean and Alex Tetty midfield. Like, that's just honestly, honestly. Like, um, if Vrancic and Tribal is any better, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I think it's a little bit regressive. But their work rate and desire, no one can fault that. Um, but do they have that technical quality in a Norris side built around possession? I'm not, I'm not too sure. I think if, if I was Daniel Farker, I would argue, look, I've, I've tried to play a, a technical midfielder next to an Alex Tetty, next to a, a, a Kenny McLean, next to a Tom Tribal, and Norwich have been beaten and, and beaten quite heavily. So I think for him, I'd say, look, we've been more solid with these two. These, this, is, this is why I've made this decision. It's, it's not because I don't rate those players, but it's just to keep Norwich in the game. And, and you have to say, recently... they. Wolves aside, Manchester United aside, they have kept themselves in games better. They have. Um, my counter-argument to that would be that, like, all right, now we're seeing Lewis come back on the side, but I can understand. But then full-backs were so important to the way we played, and this is going back a few weeks now, but you're then being even more defensive by playing Byram. So that's where, for me, we struggled previously. But, um, yeah, like, I, I think Tate and McLean certainly have grown into the season. Um, and you could see that they were... Uh, they were match fit weren't they they were ready to play last night and um, that was really important bringing those two on actually in the middle of the park because I think there would have been some cramp in Vrancic and Tribal's legs for sure <laughs> yeah I agree Alfie what's your, what's your thoughts on the midfield situation I think it's it's like two polar opposites you've got a very like industrial midfield which uh, again it, it depends really on what kind of what positions you're playing like if, if we're at I, th- I think it was quite refreshing to see two midfielders that could like distribute the ball last night um, I think that's the only criticism is that like you know, let's be honest. As, as good as Alex Tete can be in his defensive game, you know, he almost like he has to give the ball away to get and get it back again. Whereas with like Tribal sitting in more in that kind of like uh, like three at the back um, and kind of yeah, and and, and distributing out that way. Uh, and even Vrancic, while he was on the pitch, obviously he picked up that yellow, which is kind of like I reckon why he came off a bit earlier. Um, it was refreshing to see them be able to distribute the balls out or maybe those kind of killer passes, which. You'd never expect Kenny or Tete to kind of do normally, but you know I say that. But then you look at games like Leicester, and you you know without those two in kind of midfield, it could have been a different story. So it's it's again it comes down to that kind of they haven't really had the time or the chances this season, but at the same time there's obviously a reason for that behind behind closed doors that we're not seeing. We're about 15 minutes in. We've not mentioned Tim Krull yet. We'll come on to him in a moment. I just want to wrap up this this midfield debate with uh, with Alex Tete because. And, and I'll be honest here, when I, when I see a, a Norwich City side and I see the team announce and Alex Tetty's not in it, I, I do fear a little bit that, that Norwich are going to be a little bit soft. Is it, is it a, a fault of the club perhaps? And, and again, this is, this is maybe a broader point about recruitment or, or it could be a compliment to Alex Tetty that they failed to really replace him and, and they are so dependent on him, do you think? I think you've got to look at it as a compliment to Alex Tetty because the guy's been here since 2012 and, all right, he may not be the most cultured 
guy on the ball, shall we say. But he's a midfield enforcer. He wins the ball. He gives the ball to someone who can play. And numerous people have come in over those, those six years, eight years, who've tried to displace him. Um, Ibrahim Amadou being the latest and just not been up to it and, and, and he's there at 33, 34 and he's still keeping these guys out of the team um, I guess the new to me it looks like um, the new signing Melvin City looks like he, he is potentially thought of as the successor in you know in, in waiting if you like and he's going to have at least a year I think with um, Alex Tetti to kind of see how he plays and, and learn stuff from him to hopefully help him improve but um, I think age is probably just going to beat Alex in the end yeah. rather than another player yeah he seems to be getting better with age yeah, as well there was, there was certainly I was speaking to John Ruddy recently so the last time he spoke to Alex Tetty uh, he, Tetty gave off the impression that he was going to retire so that <laughs> goes to sum it, sum it up right let's, let's talk penalties then because uh, it did decide the game last night and it, and it was uh, it was actually my first penalty shootout that I've seen live but Norwich's first win in, in a penalty shootout since 2009 when they beat Swindon Town in the, in the Johnson Paints Trophy all those, uh, all those years ago um, how nervous were you for those penalties? Fairly nervous, but I, you know, being a little bit older than you guys, I have seen one or two of these in the past. Uh, and I was thinking back today to Tom when I saw Norwich beat Bolton at Carrow Road. I, I don't know when, but Jan Molby scored for us, so that, that was some time ago. Um, but I just thought with Tim, we always had a chance. You've always got a chance with such a an absolute. Uh, penalty killer he he will I, I just back him to save one or two in a shootout and that's exactly what he did plus his his tactics the way he behaves towards the other the other players is awesome the way he he clearly targeted Troy Parrott and he was the only and the referee ruthless wasn't it absolutely and the referee did for, for whatever reason didn't sort of seem to be aware of what was going on whether he was checking his phone or something I don't know but he he intercepted him on the edge of the area I was watching him and he, he was whispering to him and talking to him and then if you look at the replay um, obviously I couldn't see it in real time but if you look at the replay this morning and he looks terrified <laughs> Troy Parrott looked absolutely you know terrified with that huge stand behind him all those Spurs fans in front of him and you can imagine Tim saying something like you know no pressure here son <laughs> not on me anyway it's all on you they expect you to score you know that kind of thing and maybe a few choice words for him. I don't know. <laughs> I would imagine there was a fair few cho- yeah, yeah. choice words. I, I, I spoke to him after, and, and he, he was uh, he was he was talking on that point about how he how he essentially said to Troy Parrott, uh, "When I've done my homework, I haven't actually seen many penalties you've taken." So, yeah. essentially, go and impress me, go and do something. But uh, he, he did match him. I, I think you said. I think you're right. He did. Uh, he did get the better of him psychologically. Yeah. Tim Cruel, that water bottle, that night. How good a performance was that from from a Norwich City player? How how influential was it from from Tim Cole? Yeah, I, like the ninety minute, well, the hundred twenty minutes, I guess, um, and the penalties included. I think it's almost become more certainly now when a, when a forward faces Cruel and penalty, like it's almost become more of a mental um, negative for them. Like they, it's not even necessarily about Tim Cole's technical attributes. It's almost the reputation he now holds, and no striker like, wants to face cruel in a penalty I think they'd almost rather not you know so I think it's more getting in the players minds and I mean that before he takes the penalty and actually the prospect of facing cruel because everybody's seen it on you know last night and in the World Cup and, and, and over this season just how, how good he is yeah he made a lot of good saves in the 120 minutes as well um, for, for Norwich 
for as much as we, we talk about Norwich, and Daniel Farker's referred to Norwich as being a little bit soft, he's one player who does have a bit of a nasty edge about him, doesn't he? And we saw that with Troy Parrott. He's, he's a lovely guy off the pitch as well, actually, which is which makes that quite a, a, a humorous point, I suppose. But those those saves, but particularly the one from, from Parrott that we're talking about, and, and again, it, a lot of it comes down to homework. But in terms of a te- technical perspective, it, it, it was as good a, a penalty shootout as, as a goalkeeper could have. I think, uh, for a start, I'll always say I've, I've never been as wrong about a player as I have about Tim Krull. Uh, Bill will know how like negative I was at the start of the season about everything to do with him. Why was that of last season? Start I, of no, start of this season when Farman come in. Oh yes, yeah, even yeah, though he yeah. did well, like I think there was always that thing last season of should have saved that, should have done this, and I think it was purely because um, he wasn't as good at home as what he was away. And I was kind of like ready for him this year to be replaced, and I, I didn't. That didn't really fuss me, but I've never been so wrong. This year, hands down for me, play of the season for me. Um, it's also worth noting that that's because of Farman's FIFA rating more than anything. More than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Daniel Farker does say he shouldn't listen to those, doesn't he? And uh, I suppose that brings us on nicely to the point of, of Tim Krul and, and his season, because as, as you said, there, Ralph Fearman came in. Everyone perhaps expected him, this this Champions League goalkeeper from Schalke, to to really perhaps overtake Tim Krul and, and, and to be Norwich's number one and Krul's performances have kept him out of the side haven't they and as, uh, as, as Alfie says their player of the season I think there's a lot of people coming to the conclusion that actually he, he could be Norwich's player of the season but obviously Fearman's about, about to leave to, to, uh, to Norway so it so goes to show how, how good he's been this season player of the season for you Tim Krul uh, after doubt. that performance without doubt um, and I've been uh, championing for a while on, on the website of, of saying how well he consistently does um, and all right, he's having a lot of action well that's not his fault but he's facing a lot of shots um, but he's doing he's done brilliantly um, last night was, was maybe a real kind of underlining of how well he's done um, and, and Ralph Fearman was brought in to give him competition he's risen to that responded to that to a point where Ralph has so cheesed off he's decided he needs to leave yeah. uh, to try and not make this season a complete write-off for him um, and, and although he's cost us a lot of money, it, could it still be seen as a success that, that Ralph Fearman has pushed him to a point where Tim has reached this level of performance he was achieving at Newcastle before he had his, his ACL injury? He, he feels like, to me, he's back on the top of his game, yeah, back to absolutely. the goalkeeper who's getting linked to Manchester United yeah. all those years ago. And when you consider the major injury he had, the fact mm. he went on out on loan to, to Alkmaar and, and Ajax again, yeah. couldn't get a game, mm. comes back to Norwich with... Well, he was, he was a name, wasn't he? But yeah, yeah. certainly pedigree who'd lost his way, I suppose, fits the bill in, in that regard. This season, he, he just seems to have really kicked on, to have, to have really sort of found his level, I suppose. Mm. And... and Norwich rely on him so heavily now the, the amount of well I, I spoke to Hanley Campbell and uh, well, and Krull last night but both of them said how confident they felt going into the shootout with him in goal and the fact that the, the, the team has that confidence in him we've seen when he was injured with McGovern and, and Fearman as well only for, for that little cameo against Crystal Palace that perhaps the trust wasn't there as much and, and there was a bit more doubt in, in, in that back five and particularly given how young they are he's a massive influence isn't he? It, it wasn't just his, uh, his shot stopping last night because he may, must have made four or five good, good saves in the, in the, the actual game um, just, just his ball handling the, the way that he was taking balls out of the air and, um, and just performing at a high level must inspire those in front of him. Those that back four must be inspired by that and feel confident that he's gonna, he's not gonna drop a clanger. Yeah, I, I get the impression he's uh, wrote his name into Norwich City folklore after that performance last night. Let's let's speak about 
the FA Cup more broadly then quarter final Carroll Road that gets the mouth watering doesn't it yeah we're saying like a kind of obviously we've never experienced anything like this um, well to do the FA Cup but um, no I'm not sure who we would want like we were talking about this before like do we want the easier prospect because it almost makes you get, does that make you more nervous I'm not sure but I, think I look back to uh, games like Luton at home yeah and that's think... what I was thinking yeah yeah <laughs> I, I always feel like we would match United whereas with Derby we'd almost go into like sweet Wembley here we yeah. come but then at the same time when you see uh, you know Bruno Fernandes and I'm sure we'll see tonight you know that will probably make our mind up um, we know what United have done I made the trip to United away this year wasn't particularly nice uh, I'll admit that's an understatement <laughs> uh, so part of me is like you always want to get the on paper easier game but you know part of me is like come on bring on United let's have them as well yeah on, on, on both occasions against Manchester United and, and for I think for the majority of the big teams you, you can sort of put an argument to say that Norwich have been pretty decent but Man United is one where they, they haven't performed in either game really um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you all a question now where does last night rank on your Norwich City supporting spectrum on your Norwich City supporting list how high up how what do you rank above it I suppose because it was such a special night the drama of it it was an excellent game of football more than anything else but for it to, to have the end like that I mean it couldn't have been written by Shakespeare really the, the, way, it, the way it transpired with McLean missing first um, and, and Norwich going on to win with, with Ida and Campwell who we haven't mentioned excellent penalties from, from two young players um, Nathan we'll start with you where, where does that rank for you in terms of well, your Norwich City supporting life uh, I mean obviously I've seen I've seen us beat Bayern Munich and uh, which, which takes a little bit of beating um, I've also I also went to the playoff final which was terrific as well you know in terms of away performances though away days it, you know in the, the manner of it and the, the, the penalties and all of that um, just that that does put it quite a special memory um, and I think that's probably the best way to think of it if you go to away games these things are always memories for you whether they're uh, home games can kind of blend into one you're always in the same surroundings you always see the same uh, stand quite often the same people and that kind of thing but if you go away it's all this different experience and so I think that um, it, it's just another great memory um, it's up there it's a, it's a very good night but I do think probably Bayern Munich probably, probably, probably just about edge is it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll give you that one um, uh, what, about, what about for you guys if we're ranking it as an, as an away day then it was obviously the biggest following since Wembley for you right up there in, in your Norwich City supporting memories definitely perhaps beyond Wembley I think uh, I'm beaten by Munich yeah I mean obviously I can't I, I don't, all I really have uh, being an 18 year old uh, in terms of from my Norwich history is uh, really the playoff final um, which was a fantastic day but that was uh, it's not like a normal away day um, the problem is for me most of the away games I go to we get battered so um <laughs> In terms of how special it was, the fact that there's 9,000 of us there at a new stadium, a Jose Mourinho side as well, even if he's lost his spark, it's still, you know, it was, I think it's definitely up there. Whether it's, not, it's probably not the top for me, but in terms of as far as FA Cup memories go, it's obviously the top. Um, but yeah, that's for me. I'm probably the uh, anomaly here. I, I don't know, I don't really like... <laughs> I don't really gauge like these big moments. It's like the best memories. I always like think of like things beyond football, if that makes sense. Because like I don't, if I followed Norwich to watch the side win games, I, I, I wouldn't follow Norwich almost. So um, 
so maybe yeah no yeah but uh, you know that's not why I follow football it's not to win or it's, it's, it's everything else so I can't say it's up there especially kind of sat in bed with my girlfriend like just watching on the TV it's not really yeah but, um, yeah, that's, for that's, you two like I guess if you're witnessing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's fair enough I, I think for me it was uh, and, and again we talk about away support and you mentioned there hasn't been too many successful days this season probably only Everton really that, that we reflect upon uh, positively but you think for all those miles on, on the motorways and, and all the disappointment that, that was worth it last night wasn't it to, for that uh, eruption of noise um, we're, we're going to come on to a little bit of Sheffield United as well as, as, as well as uh, the FA Cup um, draw who you'd want in the next round Derby Manchester United you, you'll probably all know by the time you've seen this who, who knows who you'll face but they kick off later this evening um, that's, that's going to be a, a, a massive game for involved Nathan let, let's, let's start with you then like I say everyone will probably know by the time we've watched this but Derby or Manchester United because it's Manchester United again you get everything that comes with it but Derby mm. County would be such a, a great opportunity for Norwich to reach an FA Cup semi-final so how do you view it who would you want um, I, I think you're exactly right there um, Derby on paper makes you think oh yeah that's winnable um, and Man United the way you performed against them uh, both games this season it's, it's been quite shocking really how bad we've been compared to when we've played other you know the, the top level clubs um, I, I'm happy we're at home I think that's the main thing it's going to be a hell of an occasion isn't yeah, it yeah absolutely and, and if it was if it's Man United then you know that's probably going to get picked for TV but you know that's, that's going to be a, a, a very good good looking tie I would have thought for the TV companies um, and Derby's is this opportunity that we'd probably all see it as but um you know, Derby have got to do the business against United first, haven't they? Yeah, and hopefully if they do come to Carrow, they don't turn the floodlights out this <laughs> yeah. time. So that, that's hopeful. Yeah. What about you guys? You sort of touched upon it earlier, but United, Derby? I think I'll probably say Derby just because I don't think there's a side that probably exposes our flaws as much as United. If you think about the performance, like we leave so much space. Counter-attacks. Yeah, like there's not a better counter-attacking side in England than, than United. And I think just for that... The, the, like, the prospect of like Bruno Fernandes Fred and passes through to like Martial and Raf, Rashford behind our defence kind of terrifies me a little bit now thinking about it so I'd say Derby uh, yeah. they would be Rashford less though so because obviously he's injured isn't he yeah, so does that does that, does that change it I think I, know, I think you know as much as I want to say United I think you've got to be honest and say Derby is, is probably who you, you'll be banging for but at the end of the day Derby going to be sitting there like oh great Norwich you know bottom of the Premier League they, they beat us you know I, last time what 4-3 in that dramatic game um, Wayne Rooney in the team you know they're, they're not particularly like a special side in, in, you know, in terms of like talent wise but they're going to be well up for it as well so I, I don't think either's going to be an easy game it's just a case of you know we have been really bad against Man United this year so I would hope for Derby but I think if we got United Carroll Rhodes maybe under the lights I think you know we, we can still beat United anyway yeah, if you can't get yourself up for that game, what can you get yourself up for, I think? And, and you, you do have to beat the good sides to, to progress in any cup competition. Uh, we, we've got this far, we have, obviously, after last night. I haven't spoken about Leicester. Um, let's look ahead to Sheffield United a little bit then. Uh, different competitions, admittedly, but two wins on the spin. It's going to be a very difficult game going to Bramall Lane, particularly after the workload of last night. How do you see it? Because Norwich go in there with, with a little bit of momentum for, for a change, a little bit of a winning feeling, a little bit of positivity around the group and the club. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Sheffield United, 
them fantastically well, so much better than I thought they would do. I honestly didn't think the overlapping centre-backs thing would work in the Premier League. But oh, it's a revolution. Uh, it, yeah, it just shows what I know because it's been, it's been brilliant. Um, and he hasn't changed a thing. Chris Wilder is still playing the same way. Um, but when they came to Carroll Road, certainly in the first half, we played them off the park but just couldn't get the second goal. And then we, we fold under a couple of, uh, you know, sort of, typical defensive frailties for us and suddenly we lose the game you know and, and it's a winnable game um, but they are a, a very difficult side and they're not where they are by accident is the best way to describe that no they're not um, I, I, I'm interested because I, I think a lot of Norwich fans will, will be looking up at Sheffield United probably a little bit envious actually about how they've approached this season I, I've seen a few fans talk about terminology of, of the different managers Chris Wilder I remember an interview after uh, Dean Henderson uh, made that mistake against Liverpool. They lost 1-0 earlier on in the season and he came out and essentially said, look, I've got nothing to be proud about. We lost the game. Pretty ruthless, actually, in terms of his approach. And I've seen a few people compare that to Daniel Falker and say, actually, he's he's probably overplayed the fact this is a miracle and and, and overappreciated the fact Norwich are in the Premier League. How do you do that? Do you read too much into it? Uh, I guess it's about the personalities of the player. Like When I think about the Buendia comments... It wasn't too dissimilar, really, in terms of like the aggressive kind of nature of it. Um, but like, I guess it would have been a miracle if. Well, it still could be a miracle. Yeah. It'll be a bigger, even bigger miracle now. But um, no, I, I don't. You know, I think you, if Chris Wilde is your manager, you love him. But I certainly would at, the, at this moment in time. I don't think I'm happy with that. Yeah, I think I think you you're right there. Chris, Chris Wilde is one of those managers which you hate him if he's against you in the opposition dugout, but you you almost kind of want him to be your manager, like you know what he means to those fans, especially with what he's done with them. Um, I, I think he is definitely. I look at him, and it it might even just be like a, a British factor, that kind of old school like mentality, a bit more ruthless in that way. Um, you know, I don't think Farker's one to kind of make a scene in the media, whereas I feel like Wilder almost not wants to, but he's quite open. Like, he's one of the best managers to ever watch an interview with because he's so he'll tell you exactly what almost what he's feeling. Um, but yeah, I think again with, with Farker, like it's a completely different type of manager, completely different dressing room. So it's hard to really like compare them in that way. I think it was a big week for Farker as well, like in terms of gaining the not trust but maybe trust is the right word from the players and the fans I heard him say that he told the players you're going to win this shootout and if that goes wrong like he wouldn't come out in the media and say if we lost but if that goes wrong then the players are probably almost down in a minute I think that reaffirms that belief in him um, obviously the Buendia comments kind of I guess proved right as well um, but I think it was a big week for Farka because I don't think we've seen him under that scrutiny certainly a few weeks ago yeah, yeah I have to say and, and I was quite critical at half time of, of the formation change that we saw last night but I, I think you have to say really over the last two games Daniel Farkas called it absolutely spot on in, in terms of his comments uh, just just back to Chris Wilder we, we seem to have come a, a bit further along I would say <laughs> since the uh, since the finger tapping on the desk and the moaning about buses being late <laughs> have you have you got a, a newfound appreciation for Chris Wilder this season because he seems to have sort of uh, won a few Norwich City fans over compared to to what we saw in the championship yeah definitely uh, I, that, that whole thing a couple of years ago of bus being late was all, all well, it, it, funny at the time but then of course you know they beat us in the corresponding fixture at Carroll Road and then they've uh, they they beat us again last season and we only got a draw against them at Carroll Road and they've beaten us again this season they've had the upper hand really um, but you can't knock it you know as, as he uh, 
has been, he's a local lad and you know he he wants to win he's got a real will to win and that's that's what's getting them to where they are yeah, I saw their club put out a, a, a statement earlier on this week, actually, advising fans to get there a little bit earlier because the Sheffield University is having an open day. So I don't know if that was a, a little bit of a dig or not, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, OK, finally, finally then, guys, how do you see the rest of the season? Because we've got a, a massive occasion on the horizon now with the FA Cup quarterfinal, and that is going to be a, a, an occasion and, and a game that people aren't going to be able to take their eyes off and, and they're going to be looking towards. But... The reality is Norwich is still in a dogfight. I, I worked out uh, earlier this week that if, if they win all their remaining home games and one away game, considering they've got Watford away, that would put them on, on 39 points. Probably just about enough to survive. So it, it's, it's, it's still there. Maybe we, we're grasping at straws a little bit. But how do you view this, this final 10 games? How big are they? Well, I mean, you know, let's, let's, not be, honest, let's be honest. In terms of how big they are, I mean, obviously they're massive. Um, the, the tricky thing is is when you look at where we haven't gotten points in our home games it's from these types of games that are coming up I think I sat there and we were talking after the Leicester game we were saying Everton Southampton Brighton West Ham are all easy wins but you forget you know we've been beaten 5-1 by Villa at home and Sheffield I mean those types of teams where they're perceived to be maybe a little bit weaker than us we've actually underperformed I think the odds are massively stacked against us at this point here, I just think it's all about building that momentum. You know, we go into this. If we even get a point or a win against Sheffield, that's you know that's humongous. Um, the tricky thing is, is when you you win like against Leicester and then the games played tomorrow, they all win anyway, and it's like the first time in however many years all three teams in the bottom in the, the relegation zone then go and win. Um, but yeah, I, I, all you can do is just really hope at this point. Yeah, I think the reality is that Norwich aren't bottom of the league because Watford beat Liverpool 3-0. They're, they're bottom of the league because, as you alluded to there, they haven't beaten the teams around them. And, and this, they have probably fairly got a, a fairly favourable run-in in terms of the teams they have to face. It's just about whether they back themselves into, uh, into a tight corner, I suppose, and whether or not they can get out of it. But this is going to be a, a really difficult game against a side who are very strong at home. The fans are going to be up for it considering the... the it's, it's quite a competitive rivalry, I'd say, between the clubs. Perhaps it's, it's dulled down a little bit, but it's going to be a really difficult game. And Norwich still, and, and we can talk about two back-to-back wins, they still haven't managed that in the league. If they could get a result here, even a point, to just continue that momentum, that would be massive, wouldn't it? Going into two home games, one of which being an FA Cup sort of quarter-final. Yeah, I, I, I've said this before to Alf, like, we haven't really seen what this side is capable of with a bit of momentum. Last season we saw it a lot, um, but this season we haven't really seen, like, what the, how they can perform and, and it, I, I think they're, I think the side's a different team with, with a bit of confidence so yeah a good performance on uh, on the weekend and um, yeah things might be looking a little bit up for, for, for once this season it's <laughs> me positivity uh, do, do you share the positivity is it still looking fairly uh, unlikely for you I consider myself a realist and it's going to be hard it's going to be a really tough tough thing to do um, and, and you know, described by Farker as the little miracle, it would be a, a big miracle, I think, if, if we were to, now, yeah. to stay up. Um, but the thing about it, I read a great quote, someone put it on a tweet, I don't know who to credit it for, um, but they say that it's hope that kills you, but at least we're still alive. Mm. So, you know, we can still... you just got to keep taking each game as it comes, and you never know. Leicester showed a few years ago that it's... This sort of thing is possible. Who, who knows? I mean, they get, they're, they've got momentum at the right time. It's not like they're just on this tailspin losing streak. 
um, you know, we're, the, the cup run can only help, I would have thought, to, to give a bit more positivity into it. And um, we'll see where it takes us. The thing is, they, they beat Sheffield United and we're all talking about it being on, aren't we? So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a funny season considering where we were after Wolves as well and where everyone was, was pretty resigned to the fact that they were going down. All right, then let's, uh, let's, let's finish this off then. Bramall Lane on Saturday. We're, we're all feeling fairly optimistic at the moment, but uh, let's, let's, let's hear your score predictions. I'll, I'll just go round the, the, the table. I'm going to say 1-1. Realistically, 1-1. Yeah. I was going to say 1-1 one, one, but I'll say 2-2 two, two now just, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to be different yeah 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 <laughs> oh man, oh, man. That, that's exactly I was going to go 1-1 one, one, and then I was thought, well I'll go 2-2 two, two. so I'll try and be positive then let's, let's go a 2-1 away win <laughs> that would be a great effort that would be, Con- consider- be your away win <laughs> it would be yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, right then guys let's finish off uh, where, where can people find you if, if they want to find you and, and hear all about your band uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is at the Revere Band um, on Spotify as well. Also got a tour coming up in April, three day tour across Bury, St Edmunds, Ipswich. Not sure if the Norwich shirt's going to come out for that one yet, and then uh, Norwich as well. So um, some exciting stuff coming up as well. So yeah, looking forward to it. Wishing you the best of luck, guys. Yeah, Thanks for coming on. We'll shake, we'll shake <laughs> hands. Shake well, that's fine. We'll end formally. Nathan, what about you? Where can we'll check, there you go? Lovely. Yeah. Where can people find you? Uh, the easiest thing is to just to Google Vital Norwich. And that will get you on board. Perfect. No, no tours or anything like that. No, not yet. No. <laughs> well, I'm, maybe I should. Yeah. Maybe on the back of this. Yeah, on the back of this. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'm, I'm going to go home and get some sleep. I think, as, yeah, as, as, as we all are. Thank you very much for watching. Make sure if you watched on YouTube to leave a like and subscribe to the channel as well. If you listen to this as a podcast, leave a review. Um, that, that's. Uh, I think that's all the admin done, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for watching. Uh, onwards to, to Bramall Lane.